Welcome to Business Drivers, the podcast dedicated to helping you be a more effective digital leader. Each episode, we connect you to leaders and ideas that unlock new growth, both professional and personal. Business Drivers is presented by Farron, and I'm your host, Jim Keen. Today, our guest is Sue Cerna, founder and owner of Cerna Social. Sue is kind of a stealthy wizard in the world of social media, and she's got a very cool specialty, how to run governance efforts in multi-brand or multi-business orgs like Cargill, where she spent nine years guiding their social media safety efforts. She's a nationally recognized expert on the non-sexy, behind-the-scenes work that prevents large orgs from doing dumb stuff on social media while they're trying to do great things. A lot of execs think it's just sort of magic how the messages get created and run, but you just need one rogue post to see the importance of coordinated governance, and luckily we got Sue to talk to us about that because she is the expert. You can find Sue at Cerna Social, that's S-E-R-N-A Social.com, and on Twitter at Cerna Social. This talk was another of my efforts to get smarter about social media, what's happening, what's new, what's old ahead of 2022. We talked a lot about governance, obviously, but also how to keep execs up to date on the landscape and how to help them learn how to evaluate the work that their team is doing. Sue made a point similar to the point that Eric Hansen made in another episode that social media team doesn't get the support and recognition that they deserve when things are really stressful. So send some appreciation to your social team. And just to prove some topics never get old, we talked about which budget social media should come from. And uh, the answer is not super clear. You'll hear that Sue's got a ton of energy and passion for this stuff. I learned a ton from her, and I hope we get to do part two soon. Well, Sue, thanks so much for getting together. Um, I was excited to talk with you because you take a slightly different approach to social media than um, I think a lot of organizations when they're considering their social media work. You you tend to work on the governance angle. And so I wonder if you could start by just talking about some of the work that you're doing with your clients about governance and social media. Sure. Thanks. Um, yeah. Governance, I think, is going to be increasingly important for organizations of all sizes, but organizations especially that are doing a lot of social media across a number of brands or a number of divisions of the business, um, you know, companies that have anywhere from, say, 10 to several hundred social media accounts tend to not think about how you manage those accounts, right? And so they end up in situations where they had an employee who left and still has admin access to the Facebook page or somebody who lost the Twitter credentials and nobody knows how to get into the corporate Twitter account, right? And they certainly have no visibility into it, no true governance or control over it. And all of those things I think are coming for companies, right? There's about to be this major intersection or maybe collision between cybersecurity and info security and the world of social media, right? And I think what's happened is, you know, at most companies, the social media team runs social and the IT department and the folks that normally would think about those things are kind of unaware that there's a risk that exists to be managed. And then the social team is so busy with their head down every day, cranking out content, managing comments, that they're not about to raise their hand and go like, we have a big thing to manage over here. Um, and so it just kind of slips through the cracks at a lot of organizations until there's a crisis or until there's a ransomware attack that was in the news this summer. 
um, you know, or until there's something that forces their hands. And what companies find is they have no security protocols, they have no password management, they have no uh, written down process for what happens when someone leaves the company and their access needs to be revoked, right? They have no process for what happens when my agency partner has turnover and those people have access. And so all those things have to be considered, documented, written out in process the same way that you would um, someone who left the company and their email access has to be turned off. That's a really basic process at most companies, but they don't have the same process for social media. And I think it's coming. So what I focus on with a lot of my clients is first getting their house in order, right? Like what do we have that's out there and do we have control of it all? And then helping them put in the real infrastructure and process to control it in, in a managed way that is safe for the company. Oh my God. That's one of those things. It, it, I don't want to call it insurance because that, that sort of undervalues it, but that's one of those things I, I think people don't realize how important it is until they actually realize how important it is, you know, until yep. there's like an urgent situation. So do you typically work with the social media team directly, or do you typically work with InfoSec or in, Info um, Governance and then connect with the social media teams? Yeah, so social media, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little more, but social media is a weird discipline because it sits at the nexus of just about everything. So when you're talking about social media, right, it's communications, it's HR, it's IT, it's InfoSec, it's, uh, you know, everybody and their brother is interested in social media across an organization. And so um, it's not just one group. Generally speaking, requests that come to me come from either the social media team, the, the higher ups in the communication department, or on occasion, the InfoSec IT type folks, right? Um, but a lot of the times, again, it's just this weird thing about social where people assume the social media team manages social, and a lot of people that aren't on the social media team directly kind of put it in a box and tuck it away in the corner and don't think about it too hard. And so, you know, you end up with people that have total lack of knowledge about how social even works, trying to make decisions about social. So at some point, the right conversation happens and then they go like, oh, we, we need some help there. <laughs> right? um, it's it's going to be an interesting evolution, I think. So it sounds like um, Part of your job is to create awareness. Part of your job is to create urgency. And part of your job is to create clarity. Do, do you spend time talking with execs about how to rethink their assumptions about what social media really is? And then how do you do that? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a great question. And I, I actually think it's a question um, with, with kind of a, a premise that may not be true. Because if I'm being very honest, most senior level executives have spent about three seconds learning, actually learning about what their social media team does. Um, and I, that's no fault of theirs. You know, they're busy people. They have a lot of things on their plate. But I do find across the board with many clients and many organizations that I've seen and worked with that the senior leadership, for whatever reason, does not take the time to actually learn about how social media works at their organization. Uh, and then they come in with assumptions and they come in with questions that don't make any sense. And they come in with, uh, in some cases, mandates. This is how I want it to be, you know? And then the social media team has to spend a lot of time 
educating, walking that back, helping them understand why that's not practical or why that would mean we have to double our budget or whatever, you know. I've had so many executives say to me, you know, can we do a brand awareness campaign globally? And it's like, well, yes, do you have a seven figure budget? Like, you know, the answer is not no, it's what's realistic and how would we get there? And very often those conversations start with, what is your actual goal? And sometimes the senior leaders don't even have a real answer for that. It's just like a thought. <laughs> so my number one thing would be, honestly, if senior leaders really need to learn about how social happens at their organization before they can make suggestions for improvement. You know, I, I think most social teams would welcome those conversations. All right, so this is a super timely conversation for me. Um, I'm not going to go into why, but it's a super timely conversation. <laughs> um, okay. So I have seen the same pattern that you are describing, that there is yep. a general interest, like a little bit of interest from senior leaders, but no real understanding of how does this work. So right. play this out. How would you create a sense of urgency among a senior leadership team of, let's say, a large organization? you know, that has maybe mm -hmm. had the privilege of being divorced from it a little bit. How do you create that urgency of, hey, you know, it's time to actually dig in and understand how this works. So that's question number one. How do you do that? Okay. Um, I mean, honestly, I think it's quite honestly, the, the sad part about social media is the number one way to get a senior leader's attention when it comes to social media is the risk, financial risk argument, right? And the way that I make that argument is I put a giant slide with a pile of money on it and I say $50 million. And the reason that I use that slide is because in Europe, if you violate the new privacy regulations, GDPR, companies are being fined huge amounts of money, 40, 50 million euros, euros, not dollars. Um, and the GDPR body likes to make an example of big companies with big names because they know there's going to be headlines, right? And so if you are a big company with a big name and you do violate GDPR in Europe, chances are you're going to get a pretty hefty fine associated with that, plus some negative media coverage. That is quite honestly the most effective way that I have found to get senior leaders' attention. Sadly, it is a very rare, if if not like magical unicorn, not real thing that a senior leader wanders in to see their director of social media and sits down and says, hey, tell me how this really works. How do you guys do your day-to-day -day job? But that's exactly what should happen. You know, um, if I were a senior leader, I would not be walking into someone's office and saying, why didn't we tweet about national hot dog day-to-day? or um, should we be on TikTok, right? Those are questions that make your social media team wanna like shoot themselves in the head, right? The real questions you should be asking are, how do you do your job? What are your big hurdles? How can I help you, right? Those are the questions that would lead to the right conversations. But just walking in with like, you know, this pie in the sky, like, hey, why didn't we tweet at Elon Musk about cryptocurrency today? <laughs> You're just distracting your team from their actual work. Let's pretend for a second that I have personal experience with a CEO coming in saying, why are we not tweeting at Elon Musk? Let's just, <laughs> so. Let's just say that. Hypothetically. <laughs> um, <laughs> how do you guide through, uh, like a senior leader through the process of learning how to evaluate the social media work that the team is doing. Mm -hmm. You know, you can you can talk about metrics, you can talk yep. about objectives, 
but how do you guide her or him through that process of, let me talk to you about how to evaluate the work your team is doing? Yeah, social is tough because it's a shift in mentality for most people, right? Most people who are communicators are very used to thinking about things in terms of metrics and ROI, which is totally natural for a business, right? You want to know what you're getting for the amount of resources you're sinking into social media. That's fair. But the truth is, you have to broaden your view of what social media is, right? At this point, social media is your first line of defense when it comes to customer service and customer interaction. It is your online brand reputation. It affects your Google results. It uh, can be the way that you can issue an important statement in seconds instead of days, right? You know, it's all of those things that matter a lot to a company in today's real-time 24-7 world, right? Um, but saying, here's the dollar value of what you got out of that is still tough for social, right? Just because somebody saw my post on Facebook, I can't directly connect that with, and two months later they bought our product, right? It's pretty yep. rare that a social team can make that, that A to B connection where it's like, we did a thing and it resulted in a sale, right? And so executives really have to come to terms with the fact that just because you're paying money to do social media and your social media team can't put a dollar figure on and that returned a million dollars in sales, that doesn't mean that there's no value there and it doesn't mean that it's not important. The value is that it's a communications vehicle and it is honestly, for a lot of people, the primary communications vehicle above your website, above your email newsletter. Uh, it is the most immediate way that you interact with the world and you need to start viewing it as that, as opposed to just like this thing that we put a couple kids on and shoved in the corner, right? That's the <laughs> mentality shift yeah. that most C-suites need to have before they truly get what social is trying to do. So uh, just as an aside, I'm both um, relieved but surprised that it's 2021 and we're still talking about some of these things, given that it's been <laughs> over 10 years of living in a socially driven business world. But um, yep. if I hope this doesn't sound like back in my day, but um, <laughs> There, there was a time when I actually tried to make that help that help a senior exec make that mental shift that you just described. I said, you are marketing driven, your mental model is advertising based, and you look at everything as an advertising tool. And so it's natural that you look for an ROI. But when you think about social media, you sh your mental model should be more like the phones than like advertising. It's hard yep. to create an ROI for your call center, but you have to have it. It's, um, right, exactly. it's the way the customers want to interact with you. Um, now it's a more modern way of doing it, but it's the same sort of commitment that you're making to consumers. If the channel is open, the calls are like the operators are waiting and you, right. you have to be ready to interact and deliver uh, social in social media, just like you would on the phones. It's just, it's a different way to do it. And so evaluate it like you would in experience on a call. And that sort of helped. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the second thing I was going to say is uh, it's interesting that there's still a perception that we can call in the interns because they know how to work social media. Oh, I see it all the time. We'll put the youngest person in the office in charge of the social media. And the funny part about that is we've reached the, the point in the cycle where most young people don't even have a Facebook account 
yet you mm-hmm. need a Facebook account to be a Facebook manager, right? And so yeah. it's it's actually ironic, you know, I've actually had to make people start a Facebook account so they could manage a corporate Facebook page, you know, <laughs> whereas they didn't have one, you know? And I mean, you have to remember, social media in its entirety is still less than 20 years old. Yeah. MySpace was founded in 2003, okay? So we're, we're at 19 years almost, right? Um, but it it is truly less than 20 years old. And if we're being very honest, part of the issue that you described is that companies still don't know what to do with it. They still don't know if it's part of comms or HR or IT, or I've seen organizations where social sits under law, right? They, there is no um, correct way to set up a social media department, right? So if you said, we're starting a new company and we need to set up an HR department, we need to set up an accounting department. There are kind of like set ways that one would go about doing that. It is not the same for social, right? Organizations are still trying to figure it out and there is no right way yet. That adds to the complication, right? Well, well let me ask an even more annoying question. You know, okay. if, if one annoying question is, because it's unanswerable, like what's the best way to organize your social? Another related annoying question is, which budget should social media come from? Hmm, good question. And I mean, in most big organizations, like even just where to bill social is tough, right? Do you yeah. build... Do you bill your social spend to advertising and lump it under that cost center just because you have it? Or do you make a new cost center just for social, right? Most companies just bucket it in with advertising and then they have trouble splitting it out when they need to, right? Um, it's 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 a difficult thing, right, to, to make something up from scratch. And every organization tried to do it all at the same time, basically, right? And that's one of the reasons that the network of social media professionals, I mean, there's only, you know, let's let's be generous. There's a thousand people, let's say, that do social media jobs professionally for large companies, right? We all know each other because we're all constantly asking each other, you know, do you know how to do this? <laughs> Does anyone know how to solve this problem? Um, and that's because there is no right way. And then you add the complication that uh, companies, you know, like Facebook and Twitter change everything under the sun all the time on their platforms. So not only are you trying to figure out how to do it in the first place, but yeah. you have to keep up with all the changing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, it's this is really a revealing conversation for a couple reasons, but one of them is that it sort of is forcing me to like dramatically simplify the challenge facing senior leaders. You know, if you in your your point just a second ago, like if you had to invent a new department, how would you handle that? Because really mm-hmm. what we're talking about is. Uh, realistically, a transformational capability that was sort of dropped into the laps of 100 year in some cases in 100 year old organizations. So mm-hmm. what do you do with that word? How do you fit the future into the old boxes? And you can't always do that. So it's no wonder right. that orgs are still struggling with that. Yep, you have to decide that it's a new box and that's a hard thing for a lot of organizations and a lot of executives, right? But it is truly unlike, in my opinion, unlike anything previously, you know, that's happened to organizations, right? And it's the ever evolving nature of it is is interesting, right? Because by the time somebody comes to me and says, should we be on TikTok? You know, TikTok (laughs) is generally you know, a year old. And the only reason this person knows about TikTok is because their 14 year old kid is on it, right? Um, Those are the types of things that social 
you know, social folks are dealing with. I mean, you don't get executives coming into your accounting heads department and going, should we start accepting PayPal payments? You know, right? Like, I mean, maybe you do, I don't know. But it's 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 kind of the wild west. I like to call social media the wild west. It really is. Whoever is leading your social media efforts is like your chief wild west officer. And they're just trying to keep the train on the tracks. That's really the truth, right? Social departments across the board are under-resourced because people underestimate the amount of time that social takes. You know, when we talk about social listening, um, you know, I always used to have executives say to me, well, is there any way we can reduce the amount of hours that it takes to do the social listening? And my, my answer was always, no, because in the end, someone has to read all the stuff, right? Let's say that somebody tweets that they're going to burn down your, your headquarters office, right? The only way that matters is if somebody reads that tweet and catches it, right? And so saying, well, could we just not monitor all the stuff happening on the weekend or on a holiday? The answer is no, because what if that person tweets it on Christmas Day, right? <laughs> so in the end, someone always has to read the stuff it takes a lot of time you know if you're a brand of any note with any number of mentions out there right and so people would say well why does it take so much time and i would have to always say look we could choose to not do that activity on the weekend but that just means monday is a mess because we have to come in and catch up it doesn't mean that we're reducing the amount of work right and that's the type of thing that people people who don't do social have to understand is creating all that content, getting approval for the content, walking it through the actual posting process, which is increasingly more complicated because you have to make it different for Twitter and Instagram and, you know, TikTok or whatever. There's different versions of each post now. Social media used to be make a thing and post it on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn and be done, right? And now it's much more complicated to even quote, post something. And so all of that time is, is stuff that's invisible to a lot of the organization, but it helps keep the train on the tracks. And so I think one of the things CMOs and top executives are gonna have to, to figure out is, are we committed enough to social media to resource it correctly? Or are we trying to absolutely kill the people doing social right now? Because the burnout rate in social is super high because people are working 70 hours a week they're working weekends, they're working holidays. You know, back when I had a global position, I was on the phone with Australia and China at one in the morning all the time. You know, people don't understand how much time is invested in making social go and answering all the questions. And so, you know, at some point, executives are going to have to decide am I willing to staff this the way I staff a communications department, the way I staff an HR department? And if the answer is no, for whatever reason, then they need to have a real level set about expectations about what social is gonna be and what it's gonna produce for the company, right? I'm not saying you have to staff it you know, to the nth degree, but if you choose to bare bones staff it, then I think that company really needs to think about, do we need to be on social at all? Is that the right play for us or is it something that we're going to decide we don't want to do right now? But staffing a, an entire social department for a huge, massive company with two people is yeah. a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not great. I so you just said something in on your way to another point that I think might be a really useful analog for a lot of leaders. You compared staffing social media to staffing another function like HR yes. that doesn't have a direct ROI, but it's a critical driver of both 
well, a lot of strategic levers in an organization or staffing finance or, yep. you know, staffing your call center. So how, how in that question that you just posed of execs don't understand how much it takes to do it well. So what is a technique or a method or a, a way that you found success trying to get execs to understand just how much work it is to do average or good work in social media? Because I, I think most execs would say, yes, we understand this has to be better. We're committed. Mm -hmm. But like, help me understand what we got to do. I mean, short of putting them through some sort of boot camp, right? You know, where like they commit a whole day and you, you take them through the whole thing. I honestly think the best way to make that argument is to walk them through the process from start to finish of making a post, right? What does that entail, right? Yeah. Concepting the idea, getting approval, creating the assets and all their different versions, right? Creating a square video for Instagram that's under 10 seconds, but creating a longer thing for LinkedIn where you have, you know, whatever, right? That one has to be horizontal and, you know, then all the posting and all the targeting and all the paid uh, considerations on top of that, right? Walk them through that whole process just for one piece of content yeah. and then show them the community management side of dealing with the comments and the questions after that thing is posted and then say, okay, take that and multiply it by, you know, 20 a week or whatever you're doing. And that's just the content, right? Then it's, let me show you my inbox and all the, you know, 8,000 questions about social media that I field every week, you know, and then it's, oh yeah, and I'm a people manager and I am theoretically supposed to be spending 40% of my time managing my team. That doesn't happen, right? You know, oh, and by the way, I sleep. So, <laughs> and I know? have a life, yeah. Yeah, it's helping them understand all of the considerations that your team is dealing with on any given day, as my friend Melanie likes to say, any day that ends in a Y, right? Um, and, you know, it's it's one of those things that I think once you see it, you can't unsee it, right? You know, once an executive has actually seen how complicated it is to post something on social media, their respect and understanding of what the team does goes through the roof. But you have to just get them to sit down and really invest the time in learning about how complicated it is. Well, I may want to follow up offline with you about this. Um, yeah, totally. You spend a lot of your time uh, helping organizations get better at making the social machine go. Yeah. Um, where do you see brand building opportunities for CMOs or marketing leaders as you're looking ahead to 2022? And we're, we're, if you were going to coach a marketing leader to, to pay attention so that there's opportunities to expand, where would you tell them to look? Do you mean in terms of messaging or in terms of like the internal operation? Not operationally, more about creative ways to bring a message to life, um, creative applications uh, of sort of channel technologies, yeah. essentially different ways to use social media to work differently with their audiences. My best advice, quite honestly, would be extremely simple and extremely old advice. And it would be figure out what you want to say. <laughs> um, I think a lot of organizations are suffering from, we'll call it message clutter. Um, and it's really been very interesting to me to watch the last year or so while everybody's been locked indoors and, you know, on our devices 24 seven, where, where I would argue digital marketing has been more important than ever. You know, yeah. we've seen a lot of companies come out and try to take a stand for something, you know, 
diversity and inclusion, body equality, whatever the message is, right? And I'm not trying to diminish any of those things, but you know, we see a lot of corporations and brands coming out with these strong messages around, we stand for this, whatever it is, right? And that's all very well and good, but I think that there are companies that hit it out of the park in terms of messaging. Dove would be a really good example. Um, and then there are companies that tried really hard and maybe didn't hit the mark that well. And I'm gonna say maybe Old Navy, right? Old, Old Navy made this big splash, right? We're, we're, we're downsizing, you know, we're, we're taking away the plus size department and we're just integrating plus sizes throughout the store, right? That's, that is a good thing to do. That is great for women and men who are larger and feel kind of ashamed to shop in the plus size department. All of those things are really, really good. But the messaging was still a little funky, right? If you look at some of their social posts, they have plus size women, you know, ha making a fun, dancey old Navy ad. And I'm like, I'm not sure that the fun dancing vibe matches the thing you're trying to say, right? And yeah. so it's, it's, it's figure out what your thing is, figure out what you're trying to say, and then be really stupidly clear about it. You know, it goes back to kind of brand 101, right? If you're Volvo, you're known for safety, right? It's one word, everybody makes that connection. People, you know, companies are trying to do that with a social issue, right? We want Dove to be equated with beauty, but also, you know, kind of equal access for beauty, right? Like we want, you know, body equality to be the thing that Old Navy is known for. Okay, but I think companies are missing on the messaging and the, the positioning. And so my advice to marketers would really be figure out what you're trying to say and then just smash the messaging, right? And I think a lot of companies are really struggling with that because they, they, they trip over all of their internal mechanisms, right? You have to simplify, simplify, simplify. And when you get too many cooks in the kitchen, it becomes, why don't we make an ad, you know, that's like our normal ad with people dancing TikTok style, right? But promote this body equality thing. And my answer would be, you can't do both, right? It's got to be, we're Old Navy, we stand for body equality, or we make fun TikTok style ads, right? But the two things don't necessarily go together. They're trying to say two things in one ad. And so I think, I think companies that are doing it really well are almost overly simplistic in their approach. But yeah. doing it simply is super hard. Wow, that's that's. I mean, you said it as you set it up. It's old advice, but it is gold advice. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think I so I see a lot of brands that I follow and, and marketing leaders that I talk to. They get lost in all of the things that they're trying to say. They're trying to pack too much into a you know a, a pre-roll of YouTube or you know some sort of social video that they're putting on TikTok. I, I see it mostly on on Instagram and Facebook where they're just they're, they're trying to pack too much into it and, and like in in stacking all of the things you lose the whole focus so that idea of message clutter is a really good sort of frame well and the other piece of it is I always talk to CMOs about remembering the context right and the competition if you ask most CMOs who is your competition they will answer company A B C and D right they'll have a list of main competitors but that's not the answer on digital yeah. the answer is you're competing against that person's mother you're competing against their best friend that just had a baby you're you're, you're competing against the neighbor that just got a super cute puppy right <laughs> that's your competition 
And you have to remember that your average social media user is scrolling through three, four, 500 feet of content in a day on their mobile device. And that's all that puppy, baby, mom goodness, right? And so your company is spending you know, $200 to boost your post up in that person's feed but you're competing against all those other things. Plus you're competing against McDonald's and Pepsi and Coke that have million dollar advertising budgets, right? That's the competition. And unless you keep that framework in mind, you know, your messaging is just not going to cut through the clutter, right? So it has to be really simple. Yeah. It has to be really effective because your competition is quite honestly bigger than it's ever been before. Yeah. And, and nobody's waiting around for you to post something. Nope. So, so you have to, you have to keep it tight and dialed. So you just shared a stat that users look at 500 feet of content a day. That is, I, I don't spend as much time talking about social media as you do. I hadn't heard a stat like that, but what, yep. an, what a really powerful way to frame that up. Well, and I'll tell you where I got it. There was a vice president for Facebook who I think it was two or three years ago said the person, a person scrolls through the height of the Statue of Liberty, which is 305 feet, I'll save you the Google, um, you know, in a day on their phone. And that was a couple years ago. So I think it's at least 300 and it's probably more like four or 500 now that people are scrolling through on a given day. That's almost twice the height of the Statue of Liberty. I mean, it's oh massive. My God. Right? Yeah, that's so great. What a great way to freak somebody out. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> all right. So pretend like you're the uh, CMO whisperer. Yeah. You kind of you kind of are. I try. Like, <laughs> to pretend like you're the CMO whisperer for a B2C, like consumer facing brand for 2022. Yep. And you could tell that CMO one or two things to change her plans before the year gets locked in. Mm hmm. Like. What are the one or two things that you're going to tell her to focus on besides message clarity and simplicity to get their social media right for 2022? Yep. Um, two things, really. One, if you don't have a tool, you need a tool. You need to build into your budget uh, a, a proper, what we call a social media management system, but a proper management tool that will help your, your team, A, keep everything centralized and safe you know, which is important to me, obviously. Uh, but B, it will help them actually run the channels and do it in a more efficient way. And it will also help them measure what they're doing in a more efficient way. So one, definitely make room in your budget for a tool. There are all kinds of tools. They go from cheap to really pricey. Um, the two leaders in the space are Koros and Sprinkler, but there are cheaper versions like uh, Sprout Social and Hootsuite Enterprise that are certainly passable. Um, as tools and certainly better than no tool at all. And the second thing that I would tell the CMO would be a hard thing for them to hear, but it would be you need to give your social team about 20% of their budget to experiment. You know, CMOs do not like, like it when social teams say part of social media is trial and error. Part of it is A-B testing to see which version of an asset performs better. Part of it's just simply throwing some things at the wall and seeing what works, right? And it's just true in social media. You have to try stuff and fail sometimes and learn from the fails. And so CMOs that want a, you know, a line item spreadsheet that says, here's what we spent on X and here's what we got, that's, that's old thinking when it comes mm. to this space. You need to really give your team the latitude to try some stuff and give them the budget freedom to try some stuff because that's the only way they're going to figure out what really works for your audience. You know, that's such great advice. Um, 
obviously because you're super experienced and like this is coming from your wisdom, but also because that's really actionable. You know, yeah. investing in a tool feels really concrete and um, it, it's really focused on productivity and efficiency. Yep. But yep. the effort around experimentation is a risk for them, but it's the right kind of risk. And that's yep. focused on effectiveness. And, you know, efficiency and effectiveness are the thing, you know, the components of ROI. And yep. that's a really nice way for a CMO to say, all right, we're going to lean into both effectiveness and efficiency. It's really, that's awesome advice. Thank you. All right, wrapping up. This is not related to social media. Oh, okay. What, what is what is one book or podcast not related to work that you, you are recommending or is a favorite? Ooh. Oh, my favorite book to recommend to anybody is called Love is the Killer App. The author is Tim Sanders. Um, Tim Sanders preaches the philosophy that as a working professional, you will get way more than you give if you are generous with your time and your expertise. If somebody you don't know calls you up and says, I'd love to have coffee and pick your brain, accept that meeting and tell them yes and share your, your knowledge, right? Um, if someone kindly asks you to be on their podcast, accept. Uh, and, you know, I, I totally subscribe to this philosophy personally. Um, I definitely feel like you get more than you give, but his, his book does a great job of making the argument for why. Um, and he's also a great public speaker if you ever have the chance to see him speak. Awesome. Hey, Sue, this has been great. My brain is on fire now in a good way. <laughs> well, in my a good pleasure. Way. <laughs> and um, what, what's cool is uh, I hope this comes off the right way. I, I, I used to spend an enormous amount of my time thinking about what social media, broadly speaking, could do to brands and businesses. And I have, over the last year or two, moved into a different sort of focus. But what this has done for me is made me realize just how present of an issue and an opportunity this really is for brands. And yep. we, can't, we can't take it for granted. It hasn't been solved. It hasn't been figured out. And there's still a lot of great work to do. And I would call it table stakes at this point for most companies, right? So the, the onus is on the company to figure it out. Right. Yeah. It, it's not optional. Right. You know, I mean, you know, think about occasions when you call some 800 number for a company and you get the message that says, you know, we're open from eight to five on Monday, you know, right. That does not work anymore. It just yeah. doesn't. Right. Consumers expect you to meet them on social. It is table stakes at this point. This is great. Thank you so much for the conversation. And I Thank can't you. wait to have uh, part two next year. Would love to. Thank you All so right. much for having me. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Business Drivers presented by Farron. Find us at hellofarron.com to learn more about the work we do, sign up for our newsletter, and find articles and resources to help you grow as a leader. Or find us on Twitter at hellofarron or on LinkedIn. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend. It's the best way for us to grow our audience. We'd love to reach more people with the work that we're doing. And if you have ideas or advice or feedback or complaints, Please reach out to us on Twitter or send us an email at bizdrivers at hellofarron.com. That's B-I-Z-D-R-I-V-E-R-S at hellofarron.com. Until next time, this is Jim Keen saying thanks.